happy 2017, brothers and sisters, from the world Vox headquarters in Brea, California, where it's raining. What is this? What is this wet stuff coming from the sky? It is Stormwatch HD 16,000. We have an eighth of an inch coming down. Traffic is ground to a halt. Winter <laughs> weather has been um, uh, just socking in the Southland, um, and uh, the rest of the world mocks us. <laughs> They've said uh, this is finally normal winter weather for California. Exactly. The first time in 10 years or something. <laughs> um, but uh, all of those that are snowed in and sitting in frigid temperatures. Uh, I'm looking at my weather app right now. Let me see here. At uh, 10 in the morning on a Thursday, it is, uh, let's see, in Brea, California, it is... It's 56 degrees, guys. It's it's just it's absolutely frigid. Andy Andy came in this morning with uh, with a hat and um, it sweats covering every every inch uh, just in case the frostbite. Uh, you can't be exposed too long into this into this air. So it's a big deal, guys. Pray for us, as Jimmy Kimmel says when he makes fun of us uh, in our weather. Pray for us. Uh, we'll we'll try to dig out and carry on. So happy New Year, Merry Christmas. Uh, happy holidays. Hope you survived um, at the Vox World Headquarters. Uh, there were some definite festivities that were being had. Uh, we had a great, uh, I also had a great time going to the, um, the, the wonderful city of Indianapolis, Indiana over New Year's to speak to 2,600 college students, um, some of whom gather in Cleveland, Ohio regularly to listen to the Vox podcast. So shout out to my homies in Cleveland, Ohio, who got me a t-shirt that said Cleveland or nowhere. <laughs> Evidently, I think that LeBron James wears. And so, so um, bless you. Um, think about us uh, when you're in your 20 degree lake effect snow weather. We're sitting here in 56 degrees and we're freezing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was fun. A- Andy, did you get any, um, any, any good presents? I mean, cause we know that's the meaning of Christmas. Of course, did you get anything good? <laughs> yeah. I got a really nice, uh, bottle of whiskey from my wife. Hey, yep. Edit that. <laughs> that's the last thing you need. My Lord. Okay. Well, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's interesting. That's the first thing that stuck out. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, yeah, that, that was solid. Moving on. Yeah. Um, I won't ask that question ever again. Uh, I would love just some quick feedback on the end of your poem. I, I felt like that was, I felt like that was um, a fitting way to end 2016. Other than Mariah Carey's performance, that's what I was going to say. I, I mean, it's sad that if we incorporated it at the end of this next know, year, it doesn't I actually I know, fit. I mean, I she know. had to squeeze that in right at the last second. That was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. That was wonderful. But let's not let use that to cover up what happened with Ohio State. Oh, yes. <laughs> my goodness, we got creamed. Um, that was, yeah, that was... Actually, I'm glad. I mean, we do need to be blown up a little bit on our offense, but my word, that was a that was a spanking. Now I realize how the rest of the country feels. It's been so long. <laughs> um, all right, so we've got a lot today, Andy. Uh, got to get through a couple of emails before we get to our topic. Uh, this is from our friend Jeremy, um, who wrote uh, back in November. He said, "Hey, uh, it's your friendly neighborhood queer boy," <laughs> which. What a great opening line that is. <laughs> I listened to a sermon recently in which the pastor started bemoaning that, quote, so many adults and even children live broken and destitute lives of suffering and poverty. And it's so sad that when most of those people die in hell, they, may, they lift up their eyes being in torment. 
So, so the, the, the sermon was bemoaning that most people have really sucky, poor, suffering, demeaning lives, and then they spend eternity in hell. I, uh, uh, Jeremy says, I found this uh, deeply disturbing, really? Yes. And also ironic, since he quoted a passage um, where that talks about a rich man in hell, um, which is the rich man in Lazarus story yeah, where the poor yeah. man ends up next to Abraham and the right. rich man ends up in hell. And, um, and he used that to justify the poor being in hell, which was interesting. <laughs> he, uh, Jeremy says, this seems to me as like a disgusting subversion of a story, uh, that Jesus told to bring rich to repentance while exalting the underprivileged and oppressed. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Jeremy, Jeremy spoke in class yeah. again today. Uh, but this gets into issues of soteriology, big word. I have opinions, but I want to hear your thoughts at some point. Does someone need to believe in Jesus to be saved, or is Jesus able to save people who might not have known him in this life? We, we covered that in a couple podcasts ago, right? Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. What would you title that one? Um, is Jesus the only way to oh, heaven? Oh, there you go. Original. Uh, is the Muslim born in an oppressive country, lives in poverty his whole life, even dies a horrible death at his sister's wedding via U.S. airstrike, going to wake up in hell? Boom! Um, while I, a free Westerner with a good-paying job, will go to heaven because I subscribe to beliefs he didn't. I'm not... I'm sure most evangelicals would say we both end up in hell, but you get the point. Thanks. So, yes, we covered that. We, we covered that a little bit a couple of podcasts ago. We're also... Um, on the Vox uh, Community podcast, remember we've got two. We're we're in the middle of um, where I'm, I'm going to do four uh, teachings on the issue of judgment and wrath uh, to kick off the new year, which you know, like you do. Mm -hmm. um, so if uh, Jeremy, if you want to check those out, and then let's let's circle back um, and see what you think. So love to hear your thoughts. Um, Vox podcast, uh, Vox community podcast is, is where we're going to spend some time on hell. Uh, can't wait. I, I also <laughs> can't wait to dive back into that. Yes. Topic. <laughs> uh, Andy bear. If, uh, you follow Andy on Twitter, had a, had a bit of a, had a bit of a tweet storm regarding some worship team guidelines that he found <laughs> online from a church. And, um, and, and again, I mean, I, I'm sensitive to the critique that we are too negative about the church. But, but dad gummit, there are some things that need to be critiqued, all right? And this, this yeah. is a, um, a playful example of something that's hugely serious that needs to be critiqued in the yeah. church. So I'm not going to mention the church name, uh, but it is a real place. And um, in its worship guidelines were, uh, were posted online. And I'm all for worship guidelines. You want to let people know expectations and so on. Mm -hmm. And fine. I, I've got no problem with guidelines. I've got no problem with uh, spelling out expectations. Uh, it really, it was really interesting though, when you came to a section that was called um, specific requirements outside of giftedness and love of Jesus. Um, and uh, our main goal in this section is to look professional and our dress should always be modest as we not only are not only representing Christ, but pastor with a capital P uh -huh. and the church. So I love, I love that how, how you dress up there represents pastor as well as church. That's interesting to me. Clothing must be clean, sharp, and ironed. No clashing colors. So, okay. Appropriate shoes must be worn at all times. No sneakers, tennis shoes, flip-flops, or shoes with white soles. Okay. 
Um, so that rules out any millennium or any yeah, millennial any person millennial ever. Person ever. The entire no collar industry. Yes. <laughs> um, and we want the worship team to look the best they can. Remember, the way we look is of utmost importance. Yes, that sounds biblical. <laughs> we are the first thing the congregation sees. People do judge by appearance. We never get a second chance to make that first impression. My goodness, this is straight out of like the Amber Crombie and Fitch like uh, employee guide. Please be sure your style and clothing bring honor and glory to God. Um, and then, of course, you have the the, the modest you know uh, um, requirements for women. And then we get to grooming and hygiene. And this, man, this one's freaking awesome. Um, no excessive colognes or perfumes. Granted, granted. Bodies must be clean and use effective deodorant. And the use of effective deodorant is essential to positive interpersonal relationships. Now, I can I can personally attest from this. Yes, when worship leaders do not wear deodorant, it is totally distracting, and I cannot enter the presence of the holy of holies. Totally, um, no ex. Oh, here's one. No excessive weight. <laughs> Weight is something that many people have to deal with. Make oh. sure you are taking care of your temple, exercising, and eating properly. Yes, you can't have fat people on the stage because you don't. You, Jesus is skinny. Jesus is skinny. You know, mm -hmm. Jesus is skinny. Yeah. Jesus wore skinny robes. No question about it. I, I mean that. So I'm I'm ruled out here on every single every single one of these. Uh, remember that as a music minister. People look up to you. Your life must exemplify one of excellent in all areas, spirit, soul, and body. So that's interesting to me. Um, and and then uh, and then just a couple more, which I th I thought I thought were interesting. So Andy's going berserk on Twitter on this stuff, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And then and then the, here's a great way to handle church conflict. A submissive attitude is very important among the worship team members. Speaking against the leadership will not be tolerated. Neither will attitudes that have their own personal agenda. We are here to serve God through serving pastor with a capital P and this body, lowercase b, and to be submissive to those over us. We are here to be submissive to those over us. A critical spirit or negative attitude will reflect in our corporate worship. Those attitudes in italics will all will not be tolerated. Please keep your comments to yourself. If you do not agree with the way things are handled, pray about it. Don't talk about it. Excellent. <laughs> okay. If you have a real issue to discuss, discuss it privately with the worship leader. Because if it's not, if that's otherwise, it's not a real issue. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I mean, I I kind of get it. it. It's just um, smoking, use of narcotics or alcohol, Andy, swearing, illicit sexual behavior, and ongoing family problems are not acceptable in a music minister's life and will not be tolerated. So I love that. So pride, fine. Jealousy, fine. Anger, fine. But don't smoke. Greed's fine, too. Um, I think Greed that. is fine. But don't you cuss. Not gluttony, either. Uh, well, you can't be fat. So right, that's, uh, what that's I mean. implied. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so it was just an interesting, it, 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 interesting thing, Andy Bear. What caught your, what caught your, what caught the wrath of Andy? Andy is kind and gentle, everyone thinks, which is a boatload of crud if they know you. What happened, Andy? It, it just, well, it felt... It just felt so anti-human. I mean, it's like Whoa, it, that's it, a deep, it, it's that's a very stripped deep. out. Yeah, I mean, it it just strips away like you you're you're not allowed to bring your humanity to the stage. That's what that feels like to me. It's yes. like I mean, it's it's a simple thing of what we said. Like you know, you got to get cleaned up before you come to Jesus. That's is simply what it feels like, and they define it. And by their definition, this is what it means to get cleaned up before you can be assimilated and represent and and be a representative of. 
who Jesus is. And I'm just right. like, this, this is not, this is well, not what I, what I worship. And, and it's, and it's, <clears throat> you know, it, it's, it's a beautiful display of the American church's focus on outward appearance and excellence and beauty and polish and and it robs it robs everything of power yeah. right because power is found in weakness mm-hmm. not in strength and i just you know god bless god bless him i'm an idiot i'm the chief of sinners but it was i just went oh this is really interesting um you cannot make you cannot ask questions you cannot um in any way shape or form uh call anything into question um, you cannot, uh, you, you have to, I mean, I can, I can imagine what this stage looks like, oh. uh, in terms of the people on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if worship w- is some, something to be done in spirit and in truth, um, you know, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder how that, how that plays. Right. If, uh, if I just feel like everyone on stage is lying. According, you know what I mean? According to those guidelines and standards, anyone who gets up on that stage and says, yep, got all that taken care of. Right. Liar. Right. So, right. <laughs> I mean, just, like, <laughs> but it's, but it's symbolic. It's very symbolic, Andy Bear, to the topic we're going to talk about today. Okay. So sometimes Andy's tweet storms line up with the topic we're about to discuss. So I wanted That's to bring, how you phrase it. They so don't I, inspire what you're going to talk about. They just happen to line up. Correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> So I uh, got an email from a, um, uh, uh, a, a friend who um, said he was a huge fan of Vox, um, wanted to toss a topic out to us that uh, he'd love to hear discussed, infidelity and the growing issue of cheating husbands within church and leadership. Um, and um, shares a bit of his, his story in that. Um, but but it does seem, and, and and when we threw this out to our Patreon Facebook crew, you know, the, one of the questions there was was, "Hey, is, is there any evidence that you know pastors have affairs more than other professions?" And hmm. I'm not aware of any. I, I don't I don't know. Certainly, there's more attention given to uh, to to pastors and church leaders that have affairs as opposed to you know golf pros or uh, or right. personal trainers or whatever mm-hmm. um but uh i i thought wow what an interesting what an interesting podcast topic yeah and and it's a bit um i mean there are landmines you know all over the place so so i thought okay my friend um would love to love to offer some thoughts but but i do so i do so from a from a um a very scared place in, in in this respect. When I was younger, I was uh, my uh, I was surrounded, not surrounded, but but many of my heroes um, uh, were disqualified from church ministry because of affairs. So I can think of I can think of three or four like really well known people in my circle as I was a young Jesus follower and beginning, you know, to embrace a role as a, as a teacher um, who were disqualified. And I, and I remember thinking, I, I just don't understand how you could ever do that. I mm. don't understand how you could ever do that. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And now that I'm in my mid twenties, <laughs> you the know, best shape of your life. Be, well, if that shape is pear, then yes, 
I'm the best pear shape in my life, for sure. Um, I could not lead worship in that church for many reasons. Excessive sweating, excessive weight, flip-flops, non-iron clothes. Your collared shirt gets you on the way, though. My, my, I do not, my colors do not clash. <laughs> That's right. Black shirts with beige, cargo shorts. Although cargo shorts, the cargo I'm shirts sure. are out. Listen, I'm waiting for those things to come back. So... So I'm I'm preaching in Indianapolis. I don't even bring pants to Indianapolis. I'm like, no way, man. I'm not only going to stay in California time. I'm going to stay in California temperature. <laughs> so so it's like 28 degrees in Indianapolis, and I'm cruising around in cargo shorts. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. But I think I'm the only person in America that still buys cargo shorts. Yeah. All that is to say, um, this is as I've gotten older and um, and have taken. And given wounds and, you know, those sorts of things. And you're married. I've been married now almost 17 years and kids. And you kind of hit midlife and you go, oh, this is why people do this. Like, I, I just have a, a, a more tender heart as well as seeing as, as well as seeing my own frailties mm-hmm. and my own insecurities. Well, and what, do you, what do you mean by that? <clears throat> what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Because you kind of jump to, I'm in my mid, now I'm in this far into marriage, I got kids. Oh, now I understand why people have affairs. Yes. That was kind of a jump. Yes. Well, well, um, let me get into it. Okay. And and see if I answer that. Because I here's here's what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not saying um so emotionally, uh, I could not reconcile how somebody could have passionately served Jesus and uh given their life to him and then end up in a kind of this the, a crazier, a horrible situation. Now that I've I've walked a long time, not only in marriage, but in vocational ministry and in the church and da, 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 and I've heard the stories of brothers and sisters and have seen my own weaknesses and frailties, I go, oh, okay. okay. Um, I, I can at least emotionally understand why that becomes a temptation. So does that make sense? Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's like based on all the interactions and experiences up to this point between that time. Now yes. you've heard so many more stories and really yes. walked through. Okay, I yes. get that. Okay. Yes, 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 yep. yes, yes. And, and I think that um, not surprisingly, I think there are things in, in uh, the Christian, the, the Western version of Christianity and church culture that feed into this. Mm-hmm. So first and most obvious thing is this. Um. When when somebody has an affair, they they have sinned. There is no excuse. There is no rationalizing. There's no justifying. It is absolutely straight up, clearly, universally, like never, ever, ever a good thing ever. Um, my wife and I both come from divorced homes where infidelity played a part. Um, we feel the sting of that. We get that. Uh, and then I've just seen the carnage you know, of, of very famous or not famous people who've been in church leadership and had affairs. So, so big thing, number one is any, any other things I'm going to say, don't ever minimize the, uh, the personal responsibility, right? There is just in, in, in the baseline personal responsibility of you, you made this choice. You embrace this sin. You gave into this temptation. End of story. Right. So yeah. anything else I'm going to talk about that may create environments where that becomes um, more easily um, given into hmm. uh, does not mitigate in any way, shape or form the uh, the responsibility of the individual. OK. Make sense? Yep. Um, uh, because because it just straight up is is sin. 
and rebellion. And it also it also often is a reflection, and this is where this is where I click into it. It's often a reflection of personal immaturity in the following respect. Uh, many of us who um, who stand up in front of hundreds or thousands or dozens of people find that experience intoxicating, mm-hmm. whether in a band, whether as a stage performer, or whether you're teaching as some sort of spiritual authority. Um, and um, and you realize that that part of the reason you've done this is um or or at least you continue to do it isn't just because you're called or god's gifted you it's to get your ego needs met Mm -hmm. or to fill a void or to find validation and so you realize oh seminaries do not grant degrees in maturity (laughs) (laughs) and and so so there's not only there's not only sin and rebellion uh, potentially involved or, or involved, of course, but but this the immaturity that comes from uh, being a person that is standing in front of other people, um, ultimately seeking their approval, um, and uh, and and so so that that's part of this part of this too, right? That we get some of us, and, we, and it just needs to be said, some of us are in this to pl- build a platform, um, or to get our ego needs met, or to fill a void. Uh, from for validation or whatever, right? Yeah, and no one talks about this. Mm-hmm. Um, that that hey, there's a very real temptation to to keep up appearances because you're getting a lot of approval. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the the but the question I want to ask, besides sin and immaturity, um, uh, are there contributing factors that make this something more easily yielded to in a church context? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say, hmm, I think maybe, maybe there are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love, so, so I love that you never know what I'm talking about. I love that you react in real time and make sure that I'm, I, I, I'm really nervous about this one because I don't want to be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I find myself like pastorally, emotionally, like understanding, like when I, I, when I was in my mid thirties, which hasn't happened yet, um, uh, as a 25 year old, but when I was in my mid thirties, I went to therapy for 18 months, um, and uh, I, I remember um, my therapist was was saying to me. He said, "You know, if you if you carry a sign around that says validate me, um, somebody will. If you carry mm. it around long enough, somebody's somebody's yeah. going to say yes to that. Yeah. And obviously, it's not a literal sign, but but in um, in Christian work and Christian ministry or vocation." Um, you know, th- th- we are, we're all carrying signs of, mm-hmm. of one shape or another, one kind of or another. So there's a tenderness in me that realizes, oh, I'm capable of this. Mm-hmm. I'm capable of this. Yeah. And so I come at it with a bit of fear and trembling because, um, uh, I can say with a hundred percent certainty, I will never, well, I, I shouldn't even say that I, I will never, at least as far as I can imagine, I will never walk away from Jesus. I will never, uh, walk away from my family. Um, but there, but I've seen enough immaturity in my heart and enough darkness in my heart to realize, oh no, under the right circumstances, if, if, if certain things weren't checked, oh my goodness, I could, I could find myself in these, 
in these sort of situations. Yeah, sure. Um, the nice thing is there are a couple mitigating factors, baldness, fatness, and cargo shorts. So, <laughs> so that helps. All right. Amazing how you recognize the indictment of cargo shorts. It's just because you don't use the side pockets for anything. It's a waste of utility. Um, if you're going to start putting stuff in those, then okay. Hey, yeah, you but know, here's cargo the thing. pockets, so, so, like grenades or something. Yep, justy, yes. Well, they're coming great with a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Jesse's like, you know, your hips are big enough, man. You don't need stuff dragging, you know, filling up the pockets. All right. So so I want to look at um, contributing factors, perhaps, that do not remove personal responsibility from the equation. Okay. All right. Uh, just a couple of thoughts. So within Christianity, at least the American versions that I'm familiar with, all right, um, we, we do not... It, 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 and again, most of the teaching is focused on sin management and not focused on transformation of desire and transformation of motive. Hmm. Uh, in other words, um, we get a lot of teaching about practical how-tos and how-not-tos. Um, and uh, Dallas Willard uses this phrase, sin management, which is a genius phrase, the gospel of sin management. Jesus want, Jesus's goal for you is to sin less. Um, and that's really not the biblical no. goal for you. The goal is transformation. And what's transformation look like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And there's a certain way that you can live to foster that transformation as opposed to the negative view of just saying yes to these behaviors and no to these other behaviors. Mm -hmm. So in a gospel context where it's mostly transactional, which we've talked about and not covenantal, where where I just give Jesus my sins, he gives me a ticket to heaven, um, uh, I'm forgiven for everything I'm going to do, um, and, and a gospel that doesn't naturally lead into discipleship or transformation, well, then it's it's not shocking that a lot of us uh, focus on just managing our sin in the same way this church focused on managing appearance. Yep. So, so in a, in a gospel culture like that, when yes, we start with the fact that we are, we were all fallen short, but the good news isn't just that Jesus forgives, it's that Jesus restores and redeems and transforms. That's, that's the even better news. And there is this Holy Spirit of God, supposedly, that resides in us to facilitate that. Now, that doesn't mean we live something some folks call the victorious Christian life and we never struggle again and, and immediately we're just freed from all slavery to, to, to darkness and evil. No, no, no. We're not saying that. But we are saying the, the gospel that's preached should naturally lead people to understand that becoming Jesus-like is the goal. It's not just getting to heaven when you die. Mm -hmm. And and taking getting Jesus uh, and I've heard I've heard some uh, some of my reformed brothers and sisters uh, talk about and and that's just a fancy word for like those of the Calvinist persuasion um, talk about how really it's Jesus's death that's the point and I'm like no 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 Jesus's life matters just as much right because there's something there's something mm -hmm. he's doing there it's not if his death was the only thing that mattered then he should have just popped he should have just shown up as a mature 33 year old uh, jumped off a cliff boom he's dead his blood is spilt bam we're good yeah why all the other stuff and it's that other stuff that br that brings us into the, the arena of transformation you're actually actually if, if the kind of christianity you're practicing does not lead you to become more loving over time and joyful over time and peaceful over time and generous over time then maybe you're not practicing the jesus kind of christianity you're practicing another form yeah so to me that's that is a theological thing that does not help equip people for becoming um, a follower and not just a believer. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say? I heard a sharp intake of breath. Okay, nothing. 
Okay, then I will continue, Mr. Andy. Please. Or as uh, Sefi calls you, Mr. Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, not only, not only often is a, a very short or truncated view of the good news preached, but rarely do we talk about sexuality in its goodness and beauty and in its ugliness and rawness. Yeah. Um, very often the gospel of sin management is, is, is done here so that literally all we say to people is don't. Um, and, uh, as we've talked about before, I think, I don't know, a month or two ago, the, the, the scriptures, um, the scripture presents, presents sexuality as due. Like, here's this great gift. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. It helps you fulfill your God vocation. Yeah. Your God-like vocation. Not that you are like God, but you're imitating God. And um, and so we, we don't have any robust theology of sexuality. Robust was chosen purposefully there. <laughs> and, um, and, and so, so we relegate sexuality to, the, to jokes, uh, to vulgarity, to porn, to and, and then all the church. Hi, buddy, Seth is homesick today. So who knows what Sefi, Sefi may interrupt the podcast multiple times. Little Sefi's got a fever and a cough. And uh, and Carly's here helping uh, watch him while Mr. Andy and I are trying to record a podcast. And the problem is the home office does not have a door. So Sefi's just looking at us right now. He's smiling. Um, he he is plotting to bring chaos into this carefully crafted uh, podcast. You can just see the look. You can just see the look. All right. And he's bringing the iPad. Hey, Sefi. Dad will be up in a little bit, okay? Chips? No chips. It's 10 in the morning, boy. No chips. Eat your banana. Okay, that was some good parenting right there. Now, <laughs> so it's not only that we, we preach um, a gospel that just deals with sin and doesn't deal with life, but it's that we don't talk about sexuality in the way the Bible does. Mm-hmm. So all we talk about are the thou shalt nots or the clobber passages regarding homosexuality or whatever it is. We, we're never talking about desire and how God deals with sexual desire and what the difference is between normal sexual desire and lust. And, you know, I mean, there's mm. all these nuances yeah. um, in the scriptures that we just, uh, that aren't ever addressed. So we're totally bereft, good word, of uh, resource, uh, at least uh, <laughs> theologically. All right, so that's one. So one big scope of contributing factor, I think, is just how Christianity is understood, right? Jesus preached the gospel that the kingdom of God is at hand. Reorient your life around the kingship of God being available to you now through the spirit of God, it's not Jesus in person, but it's Jesus through his spirit dwelling in us and forming us and shaping us into different people. So, so that's one set of contributing factors. A second set of contributing factors, in my humble opinion, uh, exists within church culture. Now, again, only within the church culture I'm familiar with, not in every church culture. This is just in the evangelical sort of mega church culture that I've contributed to, that I've taught in, that I've you know been a part of. Um, things I've noticed. And uh, so, so first, I've noticed that very rarely are true messes welcomed mm-hmm. um it, it uh I, I think there's an undercurrent of uh we're, we're taught to hide um and here's here's what i mean so in the same way 
um, this this worship community was focused very much on outward appearance. I think I think the evangelical church is focused on outward appearance, but not so much with clothing and grooming, but with the sin management thing we're talking about. And those of us who are big time sinners don't normally feel welcome in places where everyone seems like they have it all together and where no one no one struggles or doubts or where that's not encouraged and welcomed, right? Our, our line is the church should be the safest place to talk about anything, but most often it is not. It is not safe uh, for a godly man to say, I am attracted to another woman besides my wife. No godly man is ever going to sit in an elder meeting or in a pastoral meeting and say, you know what, you want to know what I need prayer for? I'm really attracted to this other woman who is not my wife. And there's part of my heart that thinks the grass would be greener if I just went with her. Mm-hmm. No one is ever going to say that. Right. No one is ever. That is not safe ever to say that, particularly if you are employed by the church. Mm-hmm. Now you're a risk. <laughs> you have a financial interest. See, this is the key part. You have a financial interest in maintaining the appearance of awesome, right? You're rewarded for awesome. You're rewarded for awesome in ministry and your numbers. <laughs> you're rewarded for awesome in your character. You're rewarded for awesome in the way that you portray yourself and your spiritual life. I mean, come on. No one's going to listen to a pastor who got up and says, listen, uh, so, so consider two, two stories, right? Um, story number one, um, yep, I, God has given me great victory over pornography. I've struggled with porn in the past, but I've been delivered from it. And here's how you can be delivered from it too. Uh, number two, um, number second story, this is from the platform. You know, I was really stressed out about the sermon last night. And so uh, what I did is I went on Pornhub and I looked at porn for, for a couple of hours and um and uh and then you know released and uh and then felt guilty about it all night and uh and here i am you know i need Mm -hmm. i need the bread and the cup today as much as anybody else yeah now (laughs) who who's gonna listen to that right i mean who who gets rewarded Who's going to be more rewarded in church culture? The person that says, no, no, it used to be a struggle. Oh, they're so vulnerable and transparent. Or the person that says, no, I actually, (laughs) it was really ugly last night. And if you would have seen what I was typing in the search engines, you'd be horrified. Yeah. Right? And so, so now I'm not saying, I mean, of course, I'm not saying that, that, that church is the place where we're all working out our issues very publicly. I'm not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. I, 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 obviously, there are things that are true of me that I would never share on stage. They're not edifying. They're not beneficial. They could embarrass my family. Obviously, I'm not not saying that at all. I'm I'm hyperbolically making the point of of uh, how safe is it when it comes to an to um, a culture that uh, forces people or or implies that people should hide some of the deepest, darkest things in their heart. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes, we have men's groups and women's groups, but even then I wonder, you know, how safe are those places? Mm-hmm. Because um, any, and it's the difference between going to an AA meeting and going to a church service, right? In an AA meeting, I mean, think about the difference. In an AA meeting, the first thing you do is you identify yourself as as a sinner, as a as a uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a drunk. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a drug addict, right? Mm-hmm. The first thing you do is you identify yourself with, and you take personal responsibility for your mistakes. How often in church do we have a hard time admitting that anything's wrong? Okay. Oh, yeah. Huge difference. Um, at AA, people suspect 
if you're in an AA meeting and you're coming across as strong, they're suspicious yeah. because they realize walking in weakness is the power. Yeah. But that's flipped in church. We want everyone walking in their strength, particularly our leaders. We don't want their weakness. In an AA meeting, you are always telling stories of brokenness, right? Yeah. Two days ago, I was this. And last night, I was this. And right here's 30 days of sobriety. And yes, but I was really tempted. But in church, very often, all we're sharing are stories of victory yeah. and red bows. Yeah. And then in an AA meeting, there is no leader. There, you know, you're all you're all sitting around a circle. And in church culture, no, no, there's a top dog, right? It's the person on the stage, mm-hmm. um, and and build around the personalities of the stage, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you just go, okay, well, in that scenario, how often are there stages in AAs? <laughs> uh, no, I don't know of any. Yeah, it's just all all usually in some dingy. Um, some dingy basement somewhere, yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's just, it's just interesting to me how, how church culture perhaps provides an environment where we're not safe to be honest with like the ugly stuff. And I don't mean with everybody. I just mean with even one or two people, you know, who are like, you know what? I, I hate giving to the church. <laughs> I really want to spend all this money on myself. Um, or, or, you know, um, I am such a control freak. Um, I can't, I, my, my husband and I fight all the time, uh, or I'm angry. Um, I'm a perfectionist. I mean, okay. Some of those. Yeah. But, but in the ugliness of those things, right. We never really, we never really go into, you know, I was so angry. I punched a wall or, um, uh, or I was so filled with lust. You know, I was, I was actually, um, thinking about doing X, Y, or Z. I mean, you, you, we just don't ever go there but but there seems to be this deep biblical teaching about confession that matters right yeah. and um and uh and so people don't know how to confess the deep things because we're never given permission to do that um you with me yeah okay yeah <laughs> I, I hate i hate talking about this stuff mm-hmm. do you uh, well even just for a moment to, to, to pause on confession is it i i you know we don't see that the culture of confession obviously uh, built up in and around the, the evangelical kind of culture. Right. And in the first second we mentioned that, obviously we think of Roman the Catholic, Catholic culture. Roman yeah. Catholic culture. Um, it's so, in- it's so interesting to me that there, fe- there feels like there's no middle ground. You right. know, there hasn't been something that we've arrived at that reflects the, the, the extremely high value and benefit of confession. Right. But yet well, it's and, just fascinating. And we have me. this thing called accountability. Yeah. Which, Unless you're dealing with, unless you're in relationships with people that are very mature, it will just turn into uh, other expressions of sin management. Yeah. Right. So, so, um, yep. I'm not going to look at porn this week because so and so is going to ask. No, no. There's value in that, but there's deeper value in when I do look at pornography or if I do or whatever, the conversation that happens after that. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and the transformation of desire right. and, uh, and all those sorts of things. And so there have been times where I've had relationships where you can, you can share the deep, dark, and ugly stuff. And it's incredible. It's incredible when that stuff comes out into the light mm-hmm. and is spoken against and, and, and breathed into from, from other people, the power that is stolen mm-hmm. from uh, desire. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so interesting to me, but I'm, I'm nervous about all this stuff. Cause I don't know, I, man, I don't, I don't want to come across. 
I'm, I'm warring between two feelings right now. I don't want to come across as some raging adulterer uh, pornographer. Um, but at the same time, I could be. And so I have to live in this tension of, no, I, you know, God is in the process of transforming. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have been saved. I am being saved and I will be saved in, in the Bible's tenses. Um, and if I'm not careful... Um, there are, there are contributing factors where, where this could be something, um, that I would buy the lion and, um, and I, and I, I, I I guess the reason I want to be honest about that is I want to model, you know, I think what an AA meeting, the permission that gives and the reason there's so much power there as opposed to, you know, uh, kind of what a lot of us have experienced in church culture. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so, so, so very often church culture subtly or not subtly reinforces the idea that we should be sharing just polished images or victory stories with each other and not, um, and not, you know, cause godly men are never disappointed in their sex lives, right? <laughs> godly women would never consider, um, cheating on their godly husbands, right? Of course not. Um, I mean, do we really, do we really have permission to be honest and, 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 um, and very often, um, you know, there's a there's a conspiracy between the person on stage and the people watching to make sure that ever, that appearances are all kept up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so so there there are contributing factors, perhaps in Christianity, there are contributing at least our understanding of it. I mean, there are contributing factors, perhaps in church culture, and there's certainly, and this is the one I, I get fired up on. There are absolutely contributing factors in our modern idea of um of pastoring and platforming oh right yeah so the stage is lethal um once uh, now it's lethal it's it's almost like a narcotic it um it uh being needed and being consulted and being um asked i mean that that becomes uh it it becomes like it's normal Mm -hmm. right like I need to weigh in on this. I mean, even podcasting, it's like, no, I can't wait to talk about this because my, my opinions <laughs> on this are very, very important. Um, and real life, so there's stage life where you're talking in front of hundreds or thousands. Um, people are sitting raptly at attention. Um, you know, pages are flipping. People are emailing you saying, man, that was incredibly powerful. God used you, right? Um, well, how does real life compete with that? You know, the changing of diapers and the taking out of trash and the, mm-hmm. and the mundane, um, um, you know, arguments between spouses. Mm-hmm. I mean, real life has a tough time competing. And so, because um, I've, I've seen this in me, what, what begins to happen is your real life becomes just an exercise in waiting for the next adrenaline rush. Right. So, so yeah, I got this great teaching or I got this, that, and, and it's all in preparation for a recovery from the big adrenaline thing that you do every week. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that, but that, and it becomes split from your real life because it's not as exciting. Right. I mean, I'm never going to, I'm not, I'm not Instagramming me making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the kids. Right. I'm, I'm going to be Instagramming, man, just saw 150 people baptized. Duh, man, eight <laughs> services at Christmas and it was phenomenal. Duh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so, and but, so social media has just extended the stage is yeah. my point. Right. Well, but it's, it's interesting though, too, though, because it's, Talk to me. I think that people have carried over the idea of what you can do though if if the social platform has been developed 
they realize I can get the same high by posting a video of yes. me making a peanut butter jelly yes. sandwich. Then I can preparing a week long teaching that I will then do Absolutely. on a weekend. I mean, that's that's the interesting thing, and and that's what it's it's amazing because then at that point we're not talking about content anymore. No. You know, we're talking about this, this the hit so, of attention, this, yeah, and the this hit of- social thing that's occurred in which it's given everyone the platform of influence, yep. and something about that has become incredibly addictive. Right, and and platforming is rewarded. So yeah. you have you get financially benefited for however many Twitter, Instagram followers you've got. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 absolutely fascinating. So the stage, speaking as one who's done the big like stage thing, the stage becomes this very toxic place if you're not careful. And real life can't measure up. And if you're not careful, you become idealized in the minds of people in your audience. Mm-hmm. Because very rarely are we sharing our real weaknesses and very rarely are we sharing our current current struggles, right? And so people get, you're only presenting this slice of you. And so people get this very I- idealized version of you. And I love, oh my goodness. So um, my pastor at Mariners named Kenton gave me one of the best pieces of advice when I was leaving uh, Mariners to go work for a church called Rock Harbor. He, um, um, we were talking about uh, infidelity in, in another context. And he said, you know what, Mike, I've learned never be the best husband in the room. If you are a public per- person, never be the best husband in the room. Mm-hmm. You don't want people sitting there thinking, man, I wish my husband was more like that. Yeah. Now, I haven't had that struggle, right? Now, I think anybody that knows me prays for my wife. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody's sitting there going, you know, Mike. I'm trying man. to find how to pray for other people, and I just can't. Yes, seriously. <laughs> nobody's up there going, man, that Mike Erie, I bet he is the kindest, most tender, romantic husband in the history of the world. No one's thinking that. But... um, I thought that piece of advice was really interesting because very often, you know, church leaders are always talking about their smoking hot wife and here's our date night and, you know, da, 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 you know, and it's all, <laughs> <So true. laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's true. all this and, and you're like, ah, okay, okay. Is it always that? Really? Um, and I try, Jesse will disagree that I've always done this well, but I always try to make myself look like, I don't have to try very hard, uh, the idiot in our marriage because it's mostly true. And so uh, she's the heroine, I'm the villain, um, and, and people that know us believe that. And, uh, but I thought that was such a great piece of advice that's counter to how often pastors are supposed to act, right? right? At, oh, no, our, mo- our marriage is the model marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, you're just like, yeah. oh, my goodness. But you know what's funny is here, but I think what, what you're going to end up having to deal with, though, on the flip side of this now, yeah. you have to live with the bad boy mentality. You know, because in a way, in the church culture way, you're the one pushing back on a lot of stuff. Right. You're the guy that's audacious enough to be loud and bold about all these types of things. So it's like you you still personify this other type of attraction. Me? Yeah, of course you do. Oh, my I mean, goodness. You know, so it's like... Listen. It doesn't matter if Baymax is yelling, okay? <laughs> Baymax is still Baymax, all right? So, no. Fine. Thank you, Andy. Uh, no. I, I refuse that. I refuse that. Yeah, one of my buddies was like, you know, you've you've kind of got this reputation now, and I'm like, what what reputation is that? I don't even know of a reputation. I just think, I just think, um, as there are more and more uh, refugees from um, some expressions of church culture, mm-hmm. there have to be places where we just say what everyone knows is to, is knows to be true, right? But no one admits. Yep. So, so, so you've got parts of, I think, 
like expressions of the gospel and discipleship that are contribute. I think there there's a church culture that's been created around that those expressions that are primarily um, uh, concerning like outward appearance where it's really not safe to be messy and in process. Uh, or if you are, we have groups for that. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, of course, those people meet on Monday nights. Like, like it's not the normal, it's like, like third, minivan it's like couple. third down the ladder. It's right. like, we found a little bit of money to pay someone who can kind of run deal these types with these of groups. People. Yeah. Right, 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 right. You deal with the messy people. Yeah. You know, but our normal minivan, uh, two, two parents, 3.2 kids and a dog, those people really, you know, they'd never share stuff. Yeah. And then, and then again, just by review, we're, we're kind of reviewing the modern notion of pastoring where, you know, pastoring used to be seen as, um, the cure of souls, the, you mm-hmm. know, this deeply sort of, and, and it still is. I mean, there are people that have the gift of pastoring in ways I will never. And, and so I, I, I've stopped calling myself a pastor, even though that's kind of the common title. Cause I don't have that. I don't have that gift uh, even remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what the stage does to us is toxic and there's a there's a there's a subtle agreement between audience and stage performer you know about how that goes uh, social media has just made that it's flattened it but it's also made it more accessible um we there's a huge i think all of us in vocational christian work have a huge fear of disappointing people because very often the people that um providing our salaries are the people in the audience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they want us clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, uh, we have, so we have a huge financial interest in, uh, in, in appearing more mature than we are. Um, it, it's tough when people are coming to you for advice all the time to, to go seek that yourself. I mean, there's a pride element, I think, that gets woven into that. Oh, yeah. um, and very often, um, the loudest people in our churches are the most immature. So... Um, that they those are the ones where you'll actually have to edit you know when you're around them because you just don't want to deal with the fallout of well you know pastor said he drank whiskey or whatever yeah. it was you know what i mean sure uh so a couple of a couple of thoughts towards uh health hmm. if i may offer hmm. I, was, I think before right before you get there i, I was going to say like i can it's funny when I think about even like going through band life, this, so many of those emotional nuances are so assimilated with all of that stuff. I mean, you, you have your audience showing up, you feel like you have this interesting power over them because they're there for you, yeah. you know, they're there for yeah. what you're doing, but then you also have this dependent reliance on them that they That's are right. there, you That's know, right. and it's, it, it's, it's so hard to be, you know, you're talking to fans and all that kind of thing. And you're realizing, um, I have this advantage and it's not to suggest that they're weak because you had the advantage. It's just the nature no, they gave of, you. of the thing. They gave you that power. Right. They're giving you that power. Right. And it's, it's just like when I think, I mean, you know, I, I just think about, you know, so many circumstances of, yeah, meeting girls and, and all that kind of thing while playing in bands. And you feel this immediate sense of validation without having to work for it. It's like if they are there and they're talking to you. That's almost all you need. Yep. I mean, I mean, that's that puts a foot in the door and just gets your mind working of like, well, hey, I'm already having this conversation. When I mean, you think of like 
the the standard coming of age movie high school moment. The biggest <laughs> struggle is getting to the place where they can talk to the girl. Oh man, you know. And so it's it's interesting when you get to a position of some type of stage influence and in po- that place, they're already there. Like you've right. already overcome that that biggest like innate natural male to female tension. It, you've already arrived. So it's uh, that's just fascinating to yep, me. Yep. Yeah. And 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 there is a position of power, particularly with spiritual authority. Um yeah. where where if you're not operating out of fullness, um, you know, you can manipulate um in spiritual yeah. ways, you know, yeah. all kinds of things. So a couple of thoughts towards the positive. Um how do we um how do we build a culture of transparency? Um, because because what you realize is, listen, when somebody has a, a very public like affair, that thing wasn't in a vacuum. That's hundreds of decisions and and um, and steps made prior, right? That's been building up. That's not just something that happens overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the cracks start way way back. And so, how do you create a place where those cracks? You can talk about those cracks before it ever gets snowballed into something mm-hmm. so big. And, um, and so, so, you know, for me, um, therapy was huge, um, in understanding my own needs for validation and my own quest for, um, approval. That was, that was huge. And so that doesn't mean it's gone away. It just means I see it now when I'm, when I'm operating out of that spot, as opposed to fullness in Jesus, fullness in life or whatever, when I'm hungry, metaphorically speaking, um, I'm trying to grab life from other sources, right? Mm. I'm trying to grab approval, validation from their sources. Okay. And so there's this massive need that God keeps reminding me of, of, okay, what's it mean to operate out of fullness? Um, and, uh, and so that was huge. Therapy was huge in understanding all of that. Um, and letting people know that I went to therapy, you know, is, I think was, it was a huge deal. Um, finding one or two gracious people, a married couple, a, uh, whoever, I mean, it, that that you can that aren't interested in managing sin, but are interested in the transformation. I mean, I, I don't even call that accountability anymore. I just call that like mm-hmm. mentorship or discipleship or something. Yeah, where you can you can actually say, yeah, this has crept in. Yeah. And I don't know what to do with this, but it needs light shown on it. Right. I like, and I like the way you said that, like someone that's interested in your transformation. Yes. It's not just someone who's interested in keeping someone else accountable and maintaining Correct. whatever it is you've too. brought to the table. Yes. Yeah. I've done that too. And, and I've done, and some, and there's a great place for, it. I mean, I've got, I've got, you know, software on my computer that sends w- uh, websites to a friend of mine and all of that matters. But you realize that that's not a substitute for this kind of covenant relationship where you're, you're with somebody and they're not interested in managing your sin or keeping score. When was the last time you did this? But they're, they're very much interested in helping you process the weakness, speaking God's truth into your life, um, um, uh, helping you to um, bring desire into Jesus, you know, into, into like, how do I, how do I, how do I deal with this thing that my heart wants? Um, and I'm tempted to keep it secret, mm-hmm. man. That's so, there's so much power in that. Um, I think another thing you do corporately, so that's an individual thing. A corporate thing is you tell stories, you have to tell stories of people in process. You can't just tell stories of people who've won. 
mm-hmm. or pretend they've won. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I love about what Andy does at Vox is he helps people not share their testimony, but share their story and and share current struggle. And mm-hmm. so we want to hear um, not just how Jesus rescued you one time, but but what's he in the process of doing right now? Where's he rescuing you right now? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in doubt, in struggle, in disappointment, wherever. Right. Right. I think telling those stories is super important. Right. Um, go ahead. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's been, honestly, it has, it's been challenging to try to articulate this differently because we've come from a culture that's so been preparing their testimony for years. You know, people have been sitting through what is my story? How do I really show people how I came into faith? And they've processed through all these thoughts and these milestones that have become these stepping places to get there. And what we found is so interesting is when, people in the room see who's sharing that on stage from a place of here's who I am now mm-hmm. these are what I'm dealing with now that's right that's the stuff that seems to go farthest and longest that's right because when you see when you hear the story that's like wow they've just really risen to success and and, and feel, fulfilled their complete potential right often that's the stuff that actually puts a wedge between us because you're like I am nowhere near that <laughs> and I, I, I I'm so different from you I will never experience it the same way so how will I ever get there right but the guy that gets up there and says like I'm dealing with mental illness and depression I'm dealing with pornography I'm dealing um, I hate the church like right now literally in this moment I don't feel like I'm in the good grace of Jesus I mean it's like instantly those have been stories those have those are all like you know quotes from real stories we've had and um, it's just asking like tell us you know just just a bit about you like share yourself not so much what's your story but you know would you be willing to share yourself with us a little bit and yep. that's what right. that's been a really really interesting huge process deal. huge yeah. deal yeah um uh love that and and for particularly for those of us who work um for nonprofits or churches or someplace find somebody outside of the church that you're in to have these conversations with, yeah. right? Um, your boss isn't the best person to do this with. Now, of course, uh, there are times when you're, you know, when something so egregious happens that there is, uh, there are consequences. There have to be, and those consequences, if they're done right and uh, uh, biblically, they're for restoration, not for punishment ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is this thing in the Bible called church discipline. There is this thing. We realize letting someone experience the consequences of, of all that's happened is a necessary and foundational part of their growth. Not, of course, I'm not saying there aren't those times, um, but the garden variety tilling up of heart that the spirit does in us when the spirit reveals to us things about ourselves that we really, so like I've changed the way I confess lust. Um, when Jesus talks about um, lust being um, a form of adultery, So I don't confess, when I go before Jesus, I don't confess lust, God. I confess I've got adultery in my heart. Now, that's Mm -hmm. a whole different thing to say before uh, Jesus and to say before other people. And it's not because... It's not because, um, you know, I'm, I'm pr- particularly interested in beating myself up. Not at all. I'm particularly interested in speak in, in speak to confess means just to speak out. So I'm speaking that out. Um, and there's power in that, mm-hmm. uh, not only in the getting it out of me, uh, when I want to hold it in, but, but in the receiving of it by another brother or sister or whoever who can receive that in grace, right. who can reflect it, who can speak truth into it, bring light on it, you know, all of those sorts of things. 
Um, we, we've got, if you're, if you work for a church, realize you're, you're in one of the most dangerous, any of us who are professionally religious and get paid for being religious are in literally have the hardest time following Jesus. I'm convinced of this Mm. after 20 years of church work. I'm absolutely convinced being paid to follow Jesus. It's like, it's like the seminary student or the, 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 the Bible college student that used to love reading the Bible, but now the Bible's become a textbook. Yeah. Right. And I mean, and there's something that's just, there's raw, there's something that is robbed in that. And I understand why, and I'm not down on it, but there's something that's lost in the same way. You know, I used to just follow Jesus because Jesus was beautiful and compelling. Well, well now I have to follow Jesus because here are the guidelines yeah. and here's the expectation. Well, there's something that happens there if you're not careful. And we have to, we have to recognize this. And, um, and all of a sudden, for the health of those of us who work in churches and are paid to be professionally religious, um, the the temptation uh, to ignore our limits and our weaknesses is overwhelming. Um, and yet, I've personally found those are the places where God not only does his best work, but the built-in limitations that force you into a marathon and not a sprint. Um, if If... So, so often in, in churches, um, it, it is one event to another, one, one adrenalized event. You know, it's man, Easter's coming, Christmas is coming, did it, summer's coming. We got summer kickoff. We got, da, we got fall kickoff. We got spring kickoff. We got da, 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 and you just, da, 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 and you just scurrying and you're frantic and, da, da. and, and you just go, okay, there's a place for frantic. That's fine. I know there's urgency. But um, I don't. Th- I didn't see that in Jesus. I just didn't. Mm. I saw urgency. I didn't see frantic. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I, I think that um, for me, uh, there was an incredible book written by a guy named Dave Carter, C A R D E R. It was called Close Calls, and it was uh, he wrote it, and it was what couples that have had adulterous affairs want you to know. And it was really, really interesting um, and very, very, I read it, I've read it twice. And because um, his argument is whatever deficiencies you have in your relationships, okay? So whether it's you're married or whether it's a partner, or whether it's a boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever, the, the person that you will be tempted by will be the one that will make up those deficiencies, right? So if mm-hmm. you feel deficient sexually, well, the person you're going to be attracted to, to have an affair with is the person that seems wild and crazy sexually. Mm-hmm. If you feel deficient romantically, right? Your, your husband or your wife just is not cherishing you, honoring you, dating you, whatever. Well, of course you, you see immediately where you're opened up. But the book was interesting because it was like, this is, these are actually great conversations to have with your spouse. Yeah. Like, like yeah. talk about what would, what would lure you away and not, you know, potentially. And I was like, whoa, that's really, that's really powerful. It's a, it's a really interesting book in that it acknowledged the truth and the reality that we're going to be attracted to people that we're not married to or currently dating or whatever. And what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? Right. I thought it was powerful stuff. So anyway, I, this is one of those podcasts, Andy, that I'm never going to listen to. I'm I'm horrified that we're going to put this on the internet. I really am. Um, what do you think? I actually I actually need like approval and validation right now for for sharing all this because I'm feeling incredibly insecure. 
Well, yeah. I mean, that vulnerability well, yeah. and transparency lends to those things. So, I, I mean, that's no, um, I'm n- all for it. None of that is helpful. It's going, it's going on the internet. I might uh, even put it out early. People have been waiting. False. Been waiting. False. So, you know, if I get my act <laughs> together, we might get a little taste of this before Monday. Oh my goodness! All right. Well, uh, well, brothers and sisters, please be gentle. <laughs> um, I, I hope this has come across well um, and and clearly. And um, anyway, well, we hope it spurs more questions. There should be. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I hope so. Now, a couple of things. Um, just business items. We continue to be amazed at the um, incredible generosity of our community. And so thank you for many of you becoming Patreon supporters. That's that's sick and ridiculous. And I hate talking about it, but it's like I, every week there's more. And I just want to keep saying thank you. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for trusting us with that. We've got some, we're, 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 we're looking at some stuff that we could not have done without you. Right. And uh, so I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. So thanks. Um, and we, we do confess a bit of our laziness. No, not ours. My, my personal yep laziness yep on getting your guys's books who have yes. said what yes. books you want so yes yes andy bear well you've had let's say let's be honest you've had sick kids and it's been the holidays yes. thank you but we're done yeah andy we're there andy, we're, we're at full steam now so i think the end of the year poem demonstrated that i don't need you <laughs> and um and you're lucky to have this well, so um no that's why i show up every week yes <laughs> so uh so brothers and sisters again uh twitter facebook um if if you hear some of these and they're helpful would you share them um uh we're continually shocked at how far these things end up reaching and so thank you yeah. um uh, may the lord let's 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 do our classic for for yeah, first one of 2017 one. No more Flash Gordon, no more Tiny Tim, no more Spock. We're going to go numbers. Here we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And in this year, may he give you peace. Many blessings, my brothers and sisters. Until next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast. And now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash voxpodcast.